you know, we're all running the same course on the same day, same weather, same elevation and everything. Uh, everyone has the same opportunity. And so I really want to tap into that and just make sure that I'm giving it everything that I have. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. But um, it kind of makes me feel good when I know that, you know, I didn't have the right cards in my deck to to be a good runner, but I did the best with what I could. And um, here I am now, despite the odds. So sometimes I feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Um, and so it's really special for me when I cross the finish line and I achieve that time. I know, okay, I maybe statistically I'm not supposed to be here, but I am. And so, yeah, it means a lot to me. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 106 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Meet Jeremy Rivera, who's been on an inspirational, transformational journey. From a poverty background as a kid where she learned grit and developed her toughness and fire from watching her mom in the most challenging of circumstances. Jeremy struggled to connect with others in college. She was inspired by watching a True Life episode of a girl who completed a Tough Mudder and signed up for a race, but didn't make it more than a quarter mile on her first training run and had to walk back home. That led to her joining a local running club, the Orlando Track Shack, losing 50 pounds, transforming her body with running, strength training, and a better diet, and finding a welcoming community. From a 3.52 half marathon debut to recently smoking a 2.47 marathon in Houston, Jeremy is on a journey and dreaming big to one day lace him up at the Olympic trials. We take a deep dive into her dreams, exploring the importance of having people around you and coaches who are fully on board and believe. Her two-year run streak daily habits, and how doing the hard things post-run, like foam rolling, stretching, and hydrating, are so important. We talk about mindset and the Goggins approach. There are no hacks. Show up every day like Jeremy and get it done. Inspired by Jeremy and stoked to share our convo. Let's dive in and take a listen. Rivera, welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing this evening? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have the company, man. It's great to have the company. You're uh, you're in Florida. I'm uh, just across the river from New York City, just back from a little trip up to Vermont to see my son. What have you been up to recently? Um, well, I just came off the Houston Marathon a little over two weeks ago, and I'm just kind of getting back into running. I mean. I have been running through the whole time. I'm a run streaker, so I haven't taken a day off in nearly two years. So there's that. So when I say time off, I mean, you know, just kind of running like three miles a day, running when I want. Now I'm back into something structured and I have a, a couple more races coming up. Nice. Nice. And Houston is such a great race. Um, yeah. The marathon's epic. The half is also epic. I mean, Sarah Hall set the record and then, um, what's her name broke it this year, Emily Sisson. Um, so like you get 
people going at it in both. Both races are super competitive. Um, everybody's out there at the same time. I've run it. It's a super well-organized race, great logistics. I mean, how was the experience for you? How did, uh, how did you enjoy the race? It was incredible. I've run only like dinky races. So um, the only big race I've ever run is Boston. So Boston was a little bit too much for me um, between, you know, having to get up at like four or five in the morning to take the bus at like seven and then start racing at 10. That was a bit too much. So Houston was like the perfect middle ground where, you know, you can walk out of your hotel and you can start the race um, without having to travel. So that was nice. The organization, like you mentioned, was also another fantastic thing. I mean, it was very well put together probably one of the best races that I've been to. So 10 out of 10. Love it. Yeah. The, the crowd support's good. Logistics are fantastic. The aid stations are great. Um, super flat course. Um, and the only thing you really have to battle there is it, it can be really cold and it usually is windy. Um, so you usually have to battle the wind. Was it, was it windy? Was it cold? What was, uh, what were the conditions like? You know, I didn't notice if it was windy because it was so hot. So, oh, <laughs> okay. So, on that. so you had warm weather this year. That's right. I remember yeah. reading people were talking about the humidity and, and the climate, but right. Okay. It was yeah. funny. It was projected to be in the 40s and then it just continually got worse, even through over the night where my husband, um, he had checked the weather, you know, that morning and it was almost 60 degrees for the low. And he was like, I didn't want to tell you how hot it was going to be because he knew that it was just going to psych me out. I didn't want to look either, but I just knew like it was not going to be good when I was standing in the corral. I looked up at my friend and I was like, well, he's six foot three and I'm five foot two. So <laughs> I'm like looking up at him and I'm like, dude, I think we picked the wrong race. I think we should have gone to Phoenix or something. So that, that was the first words out of my mouth standing in the corral. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm used to running in Florida. So sometimes, you know, we can get the triple digit, uh, excuse me, triple digit, like heat, um, indexes. So it's something that I'm used to. So it wasn't too bad. Well, that probably helped for sure. Um, compared to like Northeast folks who were making the trip down. Um, we had similar conditions in New York city this year. It was just hot as fuck, man. And we were roasting and it isn't the air temp as much. The humidity is way more of a factor in a marathon. And we were just absurd craziness yeah. in New York this year. It was like a beach day and people suffered. Um, some people always managed to rock it, but didn't you, I think you ran a PR, no? I ran a huge PR. It yeah. was over six minutes. Girl, and... you didn't even, you're not even going to tell us. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I ran a huge PR, but, um, you know, I like to think I'm pretty well endowed when, I, when it comes to the heat. So, um, I didn't have any doubt in my ability to run the PR. I just didn't know how good it was going to be just because, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. First of all, even on the best days in the last six miles, and then when the conditions aren't good, now there's a little bit more doubt in your mind. But yeah, I ran, I think it was a 622 pace overall uh, for the marathon. So that's got to be 247-ish, right? 04. Yeah, oh, yeah. 247.04. Yeah. Nailed it. I know my paces. Uh, good stuff. That's terrific, man. So it's a huge PR um, under not ideal conditions, but right. a, still a little bit more in your favor than someone else's, but you're used to training in those conditions, but it's still not ideal. 
I don't care if you're running that every single day. That's not <laughs> ideal. Yeah. Um, we it's would not. all we would all prefer no humidity whatsoever or 20 or 30 percent. And we prefer like 40, 45 degrees for a marathon and no wind. Um, yeah, but we uh, can unfortunately put our weather order in with the weather gods. It'd be pretty sweet if we could. Here's what I I'll know. take. Here's what I'll take for Tokyo. I'm going to go with like 40 to start and we're going to finish up around 45 and like five. Oh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, five to 10 mile an hour tailwind and you can give me a little bit of a light rain. Okay, how's that sound? Yeah, all right, I'll go with that. I'm good. But uh, yeah. yeah, so- Hopefully the, it works out because this, you know, Houston for me was supposed to be a redemption from Indy where it was also like 65 and then raining sideways. Monsoon, <laughs> monsoon. Yeah, it was so bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the conditions were completely ridiculous. Um, just absolutely horrific. And everybody talked about the rain coming down sideways. And and I'm assuming you did the half as a prep. You were using it as a tune-up or? No, I did the full. Oh, you did the full. Okay. Yeah, I cool. did the full. Cool. And what, yeah. did, and what did you run in Indy? Uh, 253. Wow. So a nice six-minute drop. And, well, the tough conditions are making you stronger, girl. That's what it's all about. I think um, so. Yeah. yeah. You're running in a monsoon and a rainstorm, you know, and, you know, then you can bounce back in the heat and humidity. So good stuff. Right. And <laughs> six minute drop. So, uh, you know, you just keep taking those chunks off and, you know, you have the eye on the, like a long-term eye, I would think of maybe hoping to qualify for the Olympic trials, right? Yes, absolutely. No matter if there's a monsoon or a heat wave. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Why not, man? So why don't you tell the Run Chats audience just a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? What was family life like as a kid? Sports? You know, a little bit on a little bit of background. So um, I was born in Germany, but I was pretty much raised um, in Florida uh, for most of my life from like three to now, still living here. So I, I almost consider myself born and raised. But <laughs> anyways... <laughs> Um, yeah, growing up, my family was very poor. And so I didn't have the availability to participate in sports, not from a financial stance. Like my mom could not afford the equipment to allow me to participate in anything like, you know, gymnastics is super expensive. Um, skating is super expensive. Even running is super expensive. Um, and that's kind of like a very a sport where you really don't need much. Like people say, Oh, you just need shoes. Well, yeah, the shoes can be like $160 now. So it's a lot of money, not carbon shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the carbon shoes, like almost 300. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, also, you know, my mom, she worked long hours, so she couldn't pick me up from these after school programs. So I just pretty much had to use the bus to get home or walk home and so, yeah, I just didn't have the opportunity until I got into college and was able to put my own money towards running to actually, you know, participate in the sport. So, yeah, I come from a non-running background. Love it. Now, do you think that uh, shaped your toughness and your grit um, growing up and, you know, with, you know, not a lot of money, obviously very difficult situation, um, not being able to compete and play a lot of other sports, like probably a lot of the other kids that you saw around you. Um, and, you know, you really can't. It's just not an option for you. 
and your mom is doing everything in the world, you know, to take care of your family and support you, but she certainly can't be around a lot when she's working all those jobs to uh, provide for you all. So do you think that shaped your grit and your toughness uh, coming up that way? Absolutely. And also um, just seeing my mom, the way that she thugged it out with two daughters, um, you know, when I was very young, she worked her way out of um, homelessness because she lost her parents when she was very young and gone to the military. And so she didn't have a lot of support um, when she came here to the States. And so seeing her, you know, she took predominantly male um, centric type jobs, like she was an electrician for some time. Um, she put parts together on planes. And so she didn't hold like traditionally women uh roles and so she definitely shaped a lot of my toughness as as long as well as some of the experiences that I went through um you know just kind of living in poverty and yeah I mean also you know I see this kind of like a tangent but you know I see people who they have it very well in life and like they've had everything lined up for them and they don't do anything with that and so um, it kind of makes me feel good when I know that, you know, I didn't have the right cards in my deck to, to be a good runner, but I did the best with what I could. And, um, here I am now, despite the odds. So sometimes I feel like I'm not supposed to be here. Um, and so it's really special for me when I cross the finish line and I achieve that time. I know, okay. I maybe statistically I'm not supposed to be here, but I am. And so, yeah, it means a lot to me. Love it. Um, I would imagine your mom is super proud of your running. Has she, uh, does she get out to watch a race or is that just not really an option or like, how is she, um, as far as just experiencing your running and watching what you're doing and just seeing, you know, the amazing uh, times you're throwing down and your performances. Yeah, she loves it. Uh, she's my number one fan. She's come to a lot of my marathons, but she actually just moved up to Vermont. So she hasn't been able to watch any of my races as of late, but she's offered, she's like, oh, can I come? But then she wants to stay in my hotel. And I'm like, I love you, but no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't the best race plan, mom, hanging out, yeah. hanging out in the room. So, oh God, it's, yeah. it's so funny. She's the but um she got osteoarthritis um which is a condition like a bone on bone type yeah. thing and so basically running is out of the cards for her um but yeah she's very proud of me she's been inspired to start her running journey and i know uh i know she's rooting for me even when she's not there that's awesome well you know she's going to be tuning into this episode for sure um, yes. <laughs> so she could throw her headphones on and uh, go for get out in the trails of Vermont, which are a plenty, and uh, it's just so oh, be yeah. so beautiful up there. Um, it's good for the soul to get up there. Where is she in Vermont? What part of Vermont is she in? Uh, near Burlington. Oh yeah. Okay. So way up. Yep. Yeah, I know where it is. My son is a Middlebury College graduate, so he's in New Haven, which is close to there. But he uh, is music director and choir director for a couple of churches in Middlebury College, so he actually does uh, some work in the church community up in Burlington. So up by your mom. So she'll have to go to one of his masses and, and meet his choir. So that would be a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. It's a different world up there. Oh, it's it certainly is, man. But it is, it's just spectacularly beautiful. And um, yeah. as soon as you get there and you just like put your windows down and just go outside, you're just like, 
oh my God, the air is so clean. It's like I can see yeah. five trillion stars. Like there's, you know, he lives on this. It's a main road, but when a car isn't coming, you don't hear anything for like an hour, you know, then when a car comes and you hear something and, you know, it's just so different from where I'm at, you know, living in the city for a really long time and now just being a four minute ferry ride across. So super cool. Well, I'm, I'm sure she's going to be excited for the listen. Um, and as a kid growing up, um, since you weren't involved with sports, um, or really didn't get the chance when you were young, um, did you have any favorite athletes or anybody who you watched or you like looked up to? I did not. Um, I didn't understand sports. I didn't appreciate sports. Um, I, I didn't, I wasn't involved. I didn't want to get sweaty as a kid. I preferred arts. I preferred, you know, reading. And so that was kind of where my arena was. (laughs) So you were nerdy. Um, you you were into the arts, (laughs) totally cool. Um, sports yeah. <laughs> were not there. They weren't even a thought at that point. So it makes all the sense in the world. Um, and now, um, do you have any like marathoners that are on the circuit? Um, anybody in particular that you look at or follow like a Des or just anybody? Like um, I'm always interested in people that um, other runners or athletes pay attention to or who they follow on IG and who might inspire them. Yeah, I right now I'm really inspired by Ken Rideout. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you've had to have heard of him, but, um, he's like my favorite right now. I just love underdogs. So I also like Allie Kiefer because she, um, self-coached herself to like running. He was fifth place in the New York city marathon in 2018 from like a 245 all the way to 228 or something like that. So cool. Um, and then I, and also shared that I do like Shakiri Richardson, unrelated to what's going on with her right now. <laughs> but um, I've always just liked her because she's had such a like very feminine appearance on the track. And I, I just I'm drawn to it. It's it's cool. Um, but she's not really in the marathon world. Um, but I also like Meb. So, yeah, those are kind of my my few people that I really like. That's a good group. Yeah. I can understand the Ken ride out because that dude is like all grit, man. Like he's yeah. like so self-made, like, yeah. um, and just everything, how he talks. He reminds me a lot of Goggins, just how he talks to people yes. and communicates. And it's wild. Cause he stayed, we both stayed in the Ritz Carlton in Berlin. He was running in Berlin. He didn't have a good race. He's, he's, crushed so many races and been like at the top of the world age group rankings. And, you know, it's everybody has a race where it just doesn't go to plan. And that was his race, but it's wild because two different times we literally crashed into each other, but there were so many people around us. And like, I, when I want to introduce myself to somebody, I want to be able to say, you know, Hey, Jeremy, it's Ron Romano from Run Chats, man. I've found you running. I'd love to have you on my show. Like I would have introduced myself and said, hey, I've listened to his Retrol podcast. I listened to him with Mario Frioli because Mario coaches him. Uh, but I, I'll get him on at some point. And uh, the rest of the group is great. But Meb, you can go run with Meb in Florida. Meb does that pretty regularly. You should be able to get a little hookup. I've got friends. Are you, You're around Orlando, right? Yes. Yeah, I've got, I actually have friends who live down there that have run with Meb before. So they know Meb. 
um, Meb's actually come to their house. <laughs> like it's crazy. Like he's come yeah, over. Every coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my we... coach, uh, he coached him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, th- you have your hook then. So he got, he has to come out and do it, do a shakeout with you and, uh, or, you know, do, do some sort of workout of some sort as you're, as you're continuing, continuing your build here. So, um, that's yeah. like super, super cool. Um, yeah. so moving on to like high school, college days, um, I always like to get inside the minds of people, um, who played a prominent role. And it does not have to be athletic. This is the whole thing. People always automatically assume, no, no, man, sometimes it is an art teacher, a music teacher. In my son's case, that's some of our most powerful mentors or someone who really helps us write and find our creative soul. Or, you know, we suck in sports. I mean, some of my best uh, podcasts are people who were horrible at ball sports. They sucked and found running like completely by accident. Or they were too small as men to play football or some of the more contact sports. And their coaches were like, no, no, dude, you're out of here. You know, you weigh 120 pounds. You can't play. You know, go go do cross country. Um, so who who had an impact for you, you know, in your high school, college years? And it can be more than one. And how? You know, I really struggled with that one just because I felt that in high school, um, I I just wasn't, I don't know. I I didn't have the same experience other people had in terms of I just didn't it I was not an academic. I I don't know. I was, I wasn't a good student. (laughs) I was not a good student until I got into college. For some reason, I pulled my head out of my rear end and, um, I decided to really buckle down. And then by the time that I got to college, I felt like I was kind of in survival mode, just living from semester to semester, trying to make it. And, um, I, my major in, the University of Central Florida had like over 300 students per class that I was in. So you don't really have the opportunity to connect with your professor in the same way. Um, even like my smaller classes that uh, barely had students had like 70 something students in them. <laughs> so it was very hard to really make a meaningful connection and um, even to find mentors. Cause again, I didn't live on campus. So I just and the school was like over 30 minutes away from me. So it was a drive uh, to get there and back. And I worked part time. So I didn't have the time to like just hang around on campus and go to like after school study groups. It was pretty much school, work, home study, rinse and repeat over and over again. So yeah, I really struggled with that question. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Um, we don't always find um, our form. Um, and sometimes we don't even find it in college. It's post-collegiate and it's many, many years later where we really start to find out who we are and what makes us the most happy and what makes us tick. And, um, it, and again, um, if you're not in the right place mentally, um, and school is so large and it's hard to connect, extremely hard to connect. Um, I'm a social beast, man. I, I want to meet people and I want to bring people together and it's who I am and it's will always be, but it's a lot harder in that kind of environment. You know, if the smallest class is 70, yeah, you can maybe do it in that class, but 300 people, I mean, come on, you'd be lucky if you recognize anybody. Um, (laughs) so um, that can be, uh, that could have been a big part of it. Um, yeah. so, so if it really wasn't, uh, teachers, you know, let's shift to coaches. Cause I know you've had, you know, some prominent coaches who really had an impact, you know, from your first to your current coach. Yeah. Um, and they've really been having an impact, you know, because of, 
the connection that you formed right. um, and that they believe in you and all those other things. So tell us a little bit about that. So, um, well, I joined the speed group after I had a friend that was telling me, you've got to join this community speed group. You're going to get so much faster. And I already, I wasn't that fast. Like I was a, I think I ran a 152 half marathon, uh, which is fast. Yes. But, um, nothing compared to what I am now. And so I got in there and I was in, they have three groups. One is the slowest one's kind of like medium slow and then the fast group. And so I was in the medium group and, this coach, I thought he had lost his damn mind every time he would give me a new goal. Like I would run 125 in the 5k. He'd be like, okay, now you're going to like 123. Like it would be such an aggressive bump, but I was like, oh my God. But then I get to 123 and he'd be like, okay, time to go down to like 122. And so, um, and then eventually he was like 120, but, um, kind of between that, 122, 120 range is where I started to feel like I had maxed out that group. So then I went and transferred to the faster group. Um, and I stayed with that group for about a year, but um, I didn't really stay with the slower group for very long, even though I felt like he was very instrumental. Uh, it was, was short lived, but it was a big impact. And then I met the current coach that I have now. Um, which he is just like, he's amazing. We connect so well. Um, cause sometimes, you know, you, the coach that I had in the faster group, he was good, but we just didn't really align in our philosophy of training and other areas as well. And so when I found this new coach, um, and he believed in my dream, I guess I should kind of like take a few steps back. This is something that I was kind of like, okay, do I talk about this or do I not? Before I left that group, <laughs> I had dropped a seed saying, I want to, I want to run a 245 in my lifetime. And this guy told me to go smoke crack. And <laughs> then I was like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. So I find Ron. And as soon as I told Ron my plan, he was all about it. He was like, yes, you can absolutely get there. It's just a matter of, you know, how much time you can put into it and how dedicated you are to the goal. I believe in you. And so um, I had this like Britney Spears moment in my life where I was like, I'm just going to like leave this job that I've held for nine years. I'm going to leave this old coach that I've had. I'm just going to start a whole new existence, which is something that I've never done. Because I like, I think it's from my past of just being in poverty and never knowing what's going to happen right now. I'm, I'm very addicted to stability. I love stability. I love when things, I don't like change. I don't like new things. <laughs> and so this was very out of character for me to change so much in my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I quickly realized that this job that I got into was not going to work out. It wasn't in alignment with who I was, like the team wasn't. And um, it wasn't really what I was expecting. And so that lasted about eight weeks and I called my coach and I was like, I'm so sorry. I know it's only been like four or about eight weeks of us working together, but, um, it's time for me to peace out. Cause I can't pay you anymore because I'm not working. And his immediate reaction was no, it doesn't have to be that way. You can still train with me and just focus on the running. Actually, I'm going to double up your miles. So that way, <laughs> I mean, not double up for real, but he really stacked on more miles. He stacked on more workouts and told me that I could just use this opportunity to like 
you know, train like a pro basically. And so that's what I did. That's such a great story. Um, thanks for sharing that because um, for every high, there's a low. And for every low, yeah. there's a high. Um, we don't just get to the mountain. Um, we start in the valley or we start in different places. And sometimes we have to go three steps backwards to go forwards. But yeah, um, unfortunately, um, and that's why Goggins will always be my guy. Um, Goggins talks so much about, um, so much of his philosophy is about how all of your so-called friends, um, they want to pull you back down into the dungeon with them. They want, they, they don't really want Jeremy to make the Olympic trials. They don't really want that to happen. They say they do, and they say all the right things and they give you all the attaboys and attagirls and pats on the back. But deep down, they're like, eh, we really don't want her to break free of the solar system and be the shooting star. So so that's what I love about Goggins. Like people think he's too, ne- he's not too negative. You know what? He's just calling it like it is. Sure. Your mom and your loved ones, your husband and the people who care and are in your corner, they're always going to have your back. That's why they're your special people. But it's the rest of the people that are a lot more like that coach who you tell them your dream and they try to shit on it. No. Yeah. You got to close the door and don't just close it. Slam that motherfucker hard, (laughs) like so hard. And I would be just like, I would be like sending my Instagram share post from my 247 Houston going, yeah, peace out on that 245 dream, (laughs) motherfucker. I'd be like, yep. Or just let me do it for you, man. I'll send it to him, man. Like, you know, come on, man. Like that's a... You know, like if somebody tells you they're going to try to beat Kipchoge's world record and run sub two hours, yeah, maybe you can have a reaction like that, but you can still do it a little nicer than that. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, that relationship with that coach lasted a little bit longer than it probably should have just because the he trained me to BQ. And the first thing he told me when I got on the track um, back from my race where I BQ'd was, I didn't think you were going to make it. And I was like, what? Because I did. Like, there wasn't a doubt in my mind, but I had this mentality of, oh, I have to prove it wrong. But when it came to this dream, the 245, I didn't want to work with someone like that. That was going to shit on the dream because it was, it was in that infancy seed stage where like, it just has to be watered the right way. It has to have the right amount of sunlight. And if someone's like casting a shadow on it, the plant's just not going to grow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I knew it was time to cut it and move on, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know with who that was going to happen because I didn't have um, another coach in mind. But thankfully, like this guy literally fell out of the sky, <laughs> which was so weird. <laughs> well, sometimes things come to us when we when we need it the most, um, yeah. you know, and you like you're not really wanting change and stability and all those things that you um, explained so clearly, um, you know, like it just shows that that uh, fork in the road with you not having the job at that point and you go to your coach Ron and the dude's like no we we can still work together um that just shows you like he's got the long term view and that he's like fully invested in you and you know that's just that's the kind of people you want to align yourself with you want to um have those people in your corner and um you know, hopefully by sharing this in your story in the pod, um, other people that maybe have a shitty coach or a shitty boss in life or somebody who's not supporting them will hear this and be like, you know what? I'm going to be like Jeremy. I'm I'm, (laughs) I'm punting this group. I mean, you know, and I'm going to find somebody who 
believes in my vision, believes in my dream. And, and look, it's dreams are one thing. Okay. Let's not pretend for a moment. There is an insane amount of hard work. Okay. So I love to talk about, um, that kind of mythical part of running because it's just yeah. as I've gotten older and older, it just it just captivates me more because it's you can't just be good at something physically. You have to master the craft of mindset and all of the other disciplines. And from the moment I started following your page and um, checking out your stuff, you know, I noticed a lot of strength training on there. So like it's just things that runners never did in the old days, sprinters, hell yeah. Sprinters were crushing it in the gym, doing like insane squat workouts. And, you know, I remember my college baseball days seeing these guys and women, they're just like ripped and incredibly strong. But marathon runners, distance runners, it's just not something you ever thought of. You thought of skinny guys, skinny women, um, people being told to cut weight, to lose weight, to not have muscle, all this other stuff, which is complete and utter bullshit. I mean, yeah. the stronger you are physically, and it isn't just about how many reps you can do, um, pull-ups or push-ups or weight that you can rack up. It's just about having a strong body physically also translates up here because yes. when it gets really hard out there, there's got to come some point in the race where you can just like close your eyes and just think about all those hours in the gym, all the work you're doing on the strength side, right? Yeah. That is literally what I did at Houston. Like I got a wind of energy at mile 21 where I just felt like I was just powering away and just reminding myself of all those gym sessions. So yeah, you're totally on it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Great. So keep, you know, keep sharing that stuff because the people who follow you, other runners that are coming up and, you know, want to have big goals and aspirations, like um, people want the hacks. They want the shortcuts. It's the other reason why Goggins is my man. There's no fucking hacks in life. Okay. Yeah. Do the work. Okay. That's it. Do the work. Yeah. And the work is, it isn't just the running. It isn't just the miles. It's the foam rolling. It's strength training. It's your nutrition. It's sleep. It's so much more. And then there's the huge mental piece of how much do you really want that OTQ? Are you willing to go all the way in? Because 247, 237, it is 100% doable. Like it's 100% doable. And you could go back through my catalog and listen to at least three or four women who've been on my show who made that huge leap. Okay. So I'm going to give you that as an assignment, not just because I want you to listen to my shows, <laughs> but because A, they're badasses. They didn't cut. I mean, their, their story is not that dissimilar to yours. Maybe your backgrounds are different, but how yeah. they trained, how they got into a group, how they found a coach who believed in them, or maybe some other athletes to do their work with, mm -hmm. you know, that's the kind of stuff you have to grab onto and grab a hold of because you have the right coach. So that is a huge piece, right? You have the coach who believes yeah. in your dream and your vision and he's coached Olympians. So, you know, it's not like this guy doesn't have the credentials. I mean, this guy has the credentials to, to get you wherever you need to go. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, there's not more I can add to that other than to jump back to the point where you said that there's no hacks. Um, you know, I get a lot of people who ask me, you know, what's the secret? What's the, you know, I had someone ask me what supplement do I take to like lose weight or, you know, get healthy. And I mean, there really is 
no shortcut to get there. And I, I am also a huge fan of Goggins, but I didn't know if I should mention that on the, on the questions that you gave me, <laughs> but I love his book and I carry it on the plane with me, um, to every marathon that I travel to like a Bible. And so, um, I'm a big fan, but you know, it's, it goes back to that one thing that when you walk through the door, when you're done running, that you don't want to do, you don't want to foam roll. You don't want to drink the water. You don't want to strength train. Those are all the things that you have to do. And so kind of honing in on that um, and realizing that and then putting it into action has been tremendous in taking me from that 325 level to the 253 all the way to 247, where, you know, I was explaining, um, well, I haven't explained it on here. But I explained it to you via email that I got a gym membership and started like lifting heavier. And so that was like that one thing that was my next little hurdle. So, yeah, just want to say that. (laughs) Yeah. And listen, I love how you explain that because uh, half the time, I mean, I close every episode telling everybody, keep lacing them up keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. So that's my sign off on every show. And, you know, people, things stick with us that you hear over and over again, repetitively, tagline stick, mantra stick, and they should. There's a reason why. It's why advertising and commercials, like a jingle, it sticks in your head. I didn't just come up with that phrasing out of nowhere. I came up with it for myself for how many days myself when the day's gotten away from me, my regular work stuff, my podcast stuff, interactions with friends and family. And all of a sudden it's eight 30 and I'm like, I didn't run yet. And I'm like, I have to run. This is not negotiable. I have to run. And I can't begin to tell you how many things I've done over the years to just literally, and that's where the lacing them up starts. If I put my sneakers on and I put them on, I will go run. Okay, I can negotiate how far I'll run. I can tell myself I'll only go to the pier in Hoboken, which is three miles away, which is a six mile run. And if I'm a little banged up or not feeling well, which I am from this recent trip, I might say, okay, I'm willing to just go out and just see if I'm all right. My breathing, okay. Um, But it's those little things that you talked about that you don't want to do on top of the running. Who wants to foam roll when they come back from a run? I'm pretty sure that the answer to that is almost no one, okay? Yeah. No one. Unless you have a YouTube channel and a million followers and you're a strength trainer and people are depending on that, those workouts and how to do them. Right. Like no one else is sitting there going, oh, yep, let me get the foam roller out. Let me hit my piriformis and my glutes and my TFL. Let's get in there, man. Let's get the shit done, bitches. No, no one, no one, no one. And Goggins, for anybody listening, man, if you haven't gotten the Goggins train yet, I don't know if we can really be friends. You might have to stop listening to my show because, you know, look, I can put his audio book on. I can recite every word of the first book, chapter and verse. Okay. Every single word. The second book, not quite done yet. I'm way deep into it. The audiobooks are just a treasure because Adam yeah. Skolnick, you know, has helped him with writing and does the audio sessions, which are basically a podcast like you and I are doing right now. They're back and forth. So it's chapter seven when he talks about bad water. And then it's like him and Adam just go through it free form. And, you know, I can't tell you how many days when I just had no motivation that I just said, well, 
if I have my boy in my ears, I yeah. know, I know I'm getting a double digit run and it's not going to be an issue. I will not turn right. this shit around before I get to at least 10 or 12 miles. So it will, it will help me. So good stuff, man. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. He is, he is, uh, he is one of one for sure. Right. No question. Um, so let's go to how did you actually get into running? Cause you know, we didn't get into that. I always love to hear the origin story. And for you, it was a much later starting point. So tell everybody how you actually finally found running and got, got into it to start. Yeah. So I was in university in these classes with 300 plus students, um, you know, didn't recognize anyone that I sat next to didn't live on campus. So I didn't have the opportunity to make friends or you know, join sororities, that kind of thing. And so um, I felt very isolated and lonely. And I looked for different groups. Like I went on meetup.com. <laughs> I joined like dog groups. I joined weightlifting groups. Um, but I think the stars kind of aligned for me with running just because I just happened to be watching MTV one day. They had a true life episode of a girl who did a Tough Mudder and they said she was a beauty queen. But I rewatched the episode recently and I didn't see anything about her actually being a beauty queen on there, but she was a girly girl. So no one believed in her ability to run this or even to finish or even go to the start line. No one believed in her. And so anyways, she did the race and um, it was just super inspirational for me to watch. I knew I had to do something like this, but I knew I couldn't do 13 miles. <laughs> so I found a savage race. And I signed up for it and I printed out a couch to 10K program and I set down the road and I only made it like a quarter mile before I exploded and I had to walk back and I cut through someone's yard to do this because I was literally that desperate to get home. Like my thighs were rubbing. I was 50 pounds heavier than I am now. So I wasn't wearing the right clothes either. Probably not the right shoes. Um... And I was just like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? So I quickly joined a run community. And, um, you know, once I met these people, I shared my goal running the marathon and I thought they were going to tell me too, no, you're crazy. You can't do this. But their reaction was actually like, huh, of course you can. Why wouldn't you be able to? And so that definitely threw me through a loop. I mean, I was expecting some resistance because I kind of thrive when someone tells me that I can't do something. I'm like, oh, yeah, motherfucker, like I'm going to show you. And so um, anyway, there wasn't that resistance. So I signed up for a marathon. I found a couple people to run with and the rest was history. I did um, my first half marathon within that year, joining the group in like three hours and 25 minutes. Um, and like, they were taking down the banners, they were wrapping up the tables. I mean, I had, there was a guy that was like 85 years old that was walking the marathon <laughs> that I met and he had done like 85 marathons and I was just so inspired by his story, but it just kind of lets you know, like how slow I was that I was by an 85 year old dude. And this guy was even kicking my ass, but I came back from that experience and I was just so motivated. Like I knew that I had to keep at this. So that's kind of how it all started. Epic. What a great recap. So 325 half marathon, 325 rolling with the 85 year old dude, not quite my age. <laughs> I'm, you know, 62 and I'm at 72 marathons. <laughs> yeah, so, no, not close. But uh, <laughs> that's just, that's awesome. And you know what? 
there's one of two ways it's going to go in a situation like that. Well, first off, you found your people right off the bat, right? Like you knew you were accepted. You found a spot where you were comfortable mm-hmm. because, you know, there wasn't any of this bullshit like, what, what are you talking about? No, just, of course you can. You can do it. So it's like, okay, um, they're welcoming me. I feel like I have a place here. You know, and then you make it a quarter mile on a run. <laughs> you know, you're <laughs> chafing. You know, you're 50 pounds heavier. Like, like I said, yeah. a lot of people... And this is huge kudos to you. A lot of people in that spot, they don't make it for the second run. They don't make it for the third run. They just say, this isn't for me. I don't look like anybody else that's out there running. I don't have the right shoes. I don't have the right equipment. I don't like how I look or I look overweight. I got to do something about this. Or I'm just like, fuck this. I don't need to go through all this shit. So I'm saying when you're faced with that moment of truth, You didn't act like, hey, I don't belong here or anything. I mean, you even took a great experience away from being in the back of the pack. Like you didn't look at it like I suck or I'm a failure. You took a good experience away from a positive experience. You were inspired by that guy, you know, still being out there, still crushing it. And that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, God bless, man. If anybody ever comes on my show and starts trying to tell me that people that don't run the whole marathon aren't runners, I like light those people up, man. I will burn them (laughs) to the ground. Like, listen, man, if you ever tried to do a seven or eight hour marathon, you would not be saying the same thing, man, because you would be like, this is way harder than anything I've done. Okay. So just keep going for that long. Or I've done a bunch of ultras, so I know all about, you know, going way longer than marathon times, but you know, just respect everybody. Just freaking respect everybody. It's not that hard. You know, come on, man. Just yeah. show a little respect for your fellow men and women that are around you. And it doesn't matter if they look the same or different or everywhere in between. But uh, that's that's a hell of a a starting point for you. Um, and that's <laughs> yeah. and that's again, that's like post college. You know, end of your college years, more or less, right? It starts in college. Yeah. And go in there. And then you get involved with this group. Is that like Track Shack? Was that the group that you were running with? or? Yeah. So Track Shack's a local running store here. And they host like a Wednesday run group. They used to. Now they don't anymore. But that's kind of where that came from. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I, I know they sponsor races. Because again, I do have some friends in Orlando. And I don't know... Um, one of them has like, I dream of genie medals, man. One of them always wins like these age group awards. <laughs> it's got like these, I dream of genie medals. And I think there's like a Mount Dora half. There's all these races down there. They're always inviting me to come down, but I'm always like, I don't know. I'll get down there one of these years, but um, they have a the Mount Dora half is worth it. It's a, it's a good one, right? It's a good one. Yeah. 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 I like it. All right. I'll have to get down there at some point. So key races, highlights, PRs, meaningful moments. Um, Obviously, as you keep progressing, that that changes. That's just the nature of it. But still, most of us will always hold one memory more dearly than others, like that first kind of breakthrough moment. So for you, if you were going to just pick like one, what would you say? Um, my first time BQing. Like for me, that was just the magical year. It was 2019, pre-corona. <laughs> Life was good, you know? <laughs> yeah, we didn't know any better uh, back then, man. Life was yeah. good, man. Yeah, in the airport, touching everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hugging every single person. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, just the race um, itself, the way that I felt, I negative split it. I came in smiling. I just, I had the best time. Um that that would be number one. I always compare my years now 
to that time, even though I'm so much faster. I always want to go back to 2019 because things just, they were clicking. Um, Now that I'm pushing myself, my training kind of looks like up and down and up and down. And sometimes I'm hitting my splits and sometimes I'm not. And back then I was just like hitting them one after another, probably an indicator that I maybe wasn't pushing myself enough. I don't know. Cause I like to, I think of failure um, in these workouts sometimes as a good thing, obviously, if you can't hit any of your splits at, at all during the entire buildup, something's a little fucked up, but, um, you know, you have a couple workouts, especially in the beginning that you're not hitting it. I'm not discouraged by that, but, um, it actually makes me feel good. Like, okay, I'm chasing something really hard, but kind of like a tangent, just to say that back then I felt like things just clicked and I never had tough workouts. The race was a breeze. I smiled through the whole thing. And so, yeah, that's my one like shining moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you, we have to hold on to those, man. It's important. Um, and even if they're not anywhere near your current PR, it's still, there's always, it, there's something that we always use that we hold that near and dear close, to, closest to our hearts. Um, it's a space that, uh, we reserve only for those, uh, magical times. And it, when we're, cause it's in that case, you're really just learning about what you could be, you know, how far you, the, you had absolutely no idea, like how far you could potentially go as a runner. And you probably really still don't. Um, and with paces and whatnot, um, you, aerobic development is everything, you know, to be a great marathoner. And it just takes so many years of continued six, you know, um, consistency building and, um, everyone has to find a, their sweet spot. And, you know, again, Ron is such an experienced coach. He'll help you find that. But certain people are just born to be high mileage runners and they're strength runners and they can run two a days or they can run crazy high mileages. That was, that was always me. Um, I function best when I was racing and doing a ton of miles, crushing the miles. Other people are way better suited to do a lot of fast stuff, to do a lot of tempo stuff, and maybe never hit more than 40 or 50 miles a week. My ex was a great marathoner. I coached her for years and she could run great marathons on 50 miles a week. So it just depends on your body, how your body handles it. And, you know, getting that formula, it's like a science project, man, yeah. and tinkering with it <laughs> and experimenting because, and, you know, you don't want to continue to just do the same training. You need to throw different variables in to see um, if you haven't done two a days at some point, you know, maybe just adding in that other easy run one of those days. Um, you're also doing so much strength training too. So you're, you know, you have other things that you have to add in. You only have so many hours to throw at this stuff. Um, but as you keep, you know, building your aerobic development and you continue to get stronger, you know, those paces just, they keep getting faster. So that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And right now with Ron at my peak, sometimes I'll go close to 90 miles a week and I do have the doubles and stuff. And so, if, I mean, I'm the same way with the miles. I love them. So if he threw me like a hundred mile a week, I would be so excited about it. I'm, I'm all about it. I know that, well, from what I've read, you do the higher miles once you kind of tap out your ability to gain stimulus, like let's say at 90 miles a week, then you throw a little bit more stimulus. Um, so yeah, right now we're just kind of in that discovery phase of, am I going to get better staying here or can I press it? But yeah, if, if he told me, you know, guess what? You're going to 120 miles a week. You're going pro. <laughs> I'd be all about it. 
Love. Well, listen, that's great that you're varying things and also um, that you are involved in that process and talking about it with him because a great coach-athlete relationship is centered on that. Um, many times people are either just in awe of their coach because of their credentials and like, oh, I can't question anything. I have to just listen, like salute, <laughs> follow yeah. along and do it. Or it's the other way. I don't like this guy. I don't like this woman. She doesn't listen to me. She's not paying any attention to me. He's not listening to me. I told him I'm banged up right now and I need to back off a little bit and he's not making the necessary changes. So the same way you listen to your inner voice, back to our Goggins boy again, the inner voice, um, that's how you have to make these decisions. You knew that coach wasn't going to be for you and you ended up with Ron. So as you continue tinkering and, you know, playing around with your training and, you know, maybe potentially going to altitude at some point, like all of those things are all things that you can try, you know, if you can, you know, figure out a way to make it work. Cause at the end of the day, it's always about money and being able to have the money to be able to afford to do it. Um, or maybe pick up some sponsors, hopefully. Hopefully more shows you go on and the more people hear your story, you'll get some more sponsors and it'll help you with your running because that's one of my big goals, man. I want to bring people on who have awesome stories to inspire other runners, but help them, man. Help them get connected. Help them find an agent or, you know, uh, some connections in the in the business because we need to support our athletes like you that are out there doing a great job. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so drive energy spirit. It is the single most interesting thing to me. I just love to understand how people are wired. Um, I just know myself as a middle child growing up with two brothers, with one tiny little Irish mom who's almost 91 years old. Um, we were just vying for that, for my beautiful mom's attention. Like, Hey, Hey, I'm over here. I'm over here. Listen to me. Listen to me. Just, I want to tell you about my science homework. I want to tell you I was three, four in my baseball game. Don't listen to them. Just, just me, just me. Um, I just know how much that shaped me. Um, and wanting to be like my older brother who was amazing or my younger brother's amazing. Like I wanted to carry my own weight. I wanted to be as good or better. I always wanted to be the one who could outrank people. So it's no surprise that running found me. You know, I was a college baseball player and, you know, baseball has lots of metrics too. If you're a pitcher, you have ERA, you have a batting average, you have all these different things, but running is one of the true things in the world, man. It's just so damn empirical, man. It's like, Hey, am I getting better? Yes or no? It's yeah. not a debatable question. Okay. Yeah. Am I getting faster? Am I getting stronger? Am I improving? And then even for people my age, or you're talking about the guy was 85, there's age graded times. Like that's, also unequivocal. It's empirical. It's rated against the best times in the world. And anybody who thinks that age grading is bullshit, you know, I've got friends like Gene Dykes who are running, you know, 254 marathons in their 70s. So no, not bullshit. That's the time they plug in his time of a 254 marathon at 72. You get graded against him. So it's not like, oh, okay, I ran 330. That's going to be 90% age grade. No, 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 no. It's not. Um, so for you, I know how much that influenced my background. But for you, um, I think I know where you're going to go with this one. But I just want to know your drive, energy, spirit, competitiveness. Where do you where do you think it comes from? Well, you know, just having the opportunity now that I do to chase what I can—that's what really drives me and gets me up 
you know, in the morning, especially knowing that I'm 30 now. So I have like maybe another 10, 15 years to wring out this towel in this area of my running. I do have other areas that I want to move into after I kind of tap this out, but um, like into the ultra space. Um, But yeah, I just really want to be able to look back on my running, I guess, career and have no regrets, know that I put everything into it that I really gave myself a fighting chance because I felt, or I do feel, um, when I was younger, that I didn't have that chance to really like excel in school. And even in college when I was like struggling to pay for my books. And so I would get them a few weeks late because I was waiting on the FAFSA money to come through. And so I would have to like basically find a way to finagle like a free preview of the book or something. So I felt like things were always so unfair and running going back to what you were just saying about, you know, even if someone's a different age category, you know, we're all running the same course on the same day, same weather, same elevation and everything. Uh, Everyone has the same opportunity. And so I really want to tap into that and just make sure that I'm giving it everything that I have. And I think that's where a lot of it comes from. But, um, you know, also going back to growing up poor, um, you deal with a lot of shit. You're used to dealing with a lot of stress. And so, you know, sometimes these little stressors in life, like, oh, I didn't make my PR or I failed at this goal or I told the world I was going to do this goal, but now I really ran that. It's small beans. Um, It's really, no one cares about your passion project more than you do, but also moreover to that, at the end of the day, we're just floating on this tiny rock in the middle of the universe. (laughs) And no no one's going to remember that I'm the chick who said that uh, I wanted OTQ and then I, I only ran like a 239. To me, that would be still such an amazing feat coming from where I did come from. So, um, you know, it's kind of like, why not? Why not chase this with everything that I have? Hell yeah. And, you know, you're growing up in poverty and, and literally things are hand to mouth. Um, it just shapes us, man. It makes you tough. It, it hones your grit. Um, and it changes your perspective on what's really important and, you know, what you're willing to fight for, but fighting and grit and spirit and all that and passion, man, that just, it comes through. Um, so running is the right place for you because you can hone that and you can channel that and you can tap into that. And that's always what's going to make the difference between being close to a goal or actually hitting the goal. Um, the training you know, man, you can pretty much follow just about anybody on Strava these days. You can see what kind of workouts people are doing, see what kind of paces they're running, whatever. You know, like that's not where you're going to win the day. Um, it's all those other things that you're doing is where you're going to win the day. Um, because they may be putting every single thing they have in to those runs, but are they doing any of the other things that you're doing? Are they doing the strength work? Are they doing the foam rolling? Are they handling getting enough fluids in living in Florida, are they get, are they in a state of constant dehydration? Like, and then also, are they really like looking at long-term, how else can I improve? Like, what else can I change? What else can I do? Um, so I think that that shaped you the most and it will continue to, um, and again, you know, sharing your story, you know, definitely somebody out there who's come from a similar background will be like, yeah, 
I like this chick. I'm going to follow her. Um, she's got grit. I'm in. So uh, how about mindset mantras? I mean, you could clearly see that stay in the fight sign behind me. Um, that's a guy <laughs> I knew from a Facebook running group that I still to this day have never met in my life. Um, oh, wow. Just um, he knows my running and follows me on Instagram and um, listens to my podcast. Terrific guy. And he's very talented with woodworking. And he's made signs for I don't know what number he's up to today, but for all sorts of people around the world. And it's always something different, but he knows how involved I am with Boston having run it so many times. Um, so he made that sign for me, um, the stay in the fight sign with the, the unicorns in there. So uh, what about you? I like it. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite mantra or something that you, that you like to talk to yourself while you're out there in the course to help you uh, when things get tough? So I don't have a go-to mantra um, only because the times that I felt like I have been like oh this is going to be my one mantra when it doesn't work it just makes me so frustrated <laughs> and so mine I kind of have like a little Rolodex of mantras that I use and they'll change depending on how that block went what my insecurities are um and so um I know that I had shared some of those a little bit beforehand I kind of forgot the ones that I mentioned that I used before Houston uh, but I remember, um, off the top of my head that I will embrace the fear and, uh, the excitement of, you know, the event. And so that kind of allowed me to take those emotions that were building up and making me scared and channel them into propelling my body forward. Um, another one is that, um, I can push. Oh gosh, I'm going to need help here. Um, I can keep the pressure on. Yeah, I can keep the pressure on. That was a good one that I really liked uh, for Houston. I, I do also like to use I am statements. So they don't have to say, they don't have to be like I am. But so for example, I've used, I bring the fire, I belong, which is, something that sometimes I feel like I don't really belong. And so I have to remind myself that I do belong here. Um, and to, let me see, what is the other I am statement that I've used? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. But yeah, I don't have any kind of um, preset ones. They're just ones that I give myself. I am strong. I'm a badass, whatever. It, you know. Yeah, I can, I will. It's basically, you know, have you read Dina's book? Dina Castor's book? Um, no, I haven't. Yeah, I'll suggest it. And I am going to try to reorg reorganize my Zoom pod area because I keep my books that I recommend the most on the show because it's impossible to remember all the titles. Even Goggins now has two books and you yeah. know, can't hurt me. I'll never forget that. But the second one, I don't know if it's Unshackle Your Mind or whatever it is, but Dina's book, I'm embarrassed to say, I constantly forget the name of it. It's a fabulous book. It is almost 100% on mindset and the things that we say to ourselves. Like when we say, I will not quit, like our brain hears quit. Our yep. brain doesn't, it will not is a terrible thing. So now it's like, you know, you know, I will drive forward or I will keep going or whatever, but you know, quit and all these other things, or I will not stop it here. Stop. It's like, there are things that you want to say to yourself and you have to really be careful about how the brain literally will interpret it. It sounds crazy. It sounds a little hokey, but she's hugely researched 
like the mindset and the mental side of it, you know, from the uh, psychology side of running. And it's fabulous. I mean, some of the things that she's used to be, a, you know, Olympian, you know, silver medalist or bronze medalist. I think she won silver. I'm not sure if she won silver or bronze in Greece um, in the marathon and, and was a, a American record holder, still an American record holder for the marathon as a master's. Um, just an amazing and storied runner in her career. But that book is all about the self-talk, all about how we have those conversations with ourselves. And it isn't just on the race course, you know, it isn't because just remember, we spend way more time in our own ears on our training runs, yes. way, way, way more time. And whether you're listening to music or a podcast, for me, even if I have a podcast on, even if I have music on, there are times when my brain just goes off. It just goes off into another lane and I always let it go because it's taking me to another lane for a reason. Like even though I might be listening, I'm like, wait a minute, there's a reason why I'm getting changed. The channel's getting changed here. What's up? Right. Like, let me just listen to what's happening in this moment and see if there's some, some gold in there to mine. Yeah. And I will add to that a little bit. Um, Kara Goucher, she had inspired me through one of her mindset books, which isn't really a book book. It's kind of one of those things that you can just like open any chapter and start wherever you want. But she had talked a little bit about journaling. And so I started journaling because I started this thing in therapy. And it all kind of started because my therapist was like, just name three positive things about yourself. And I could not do it for the life of me. I really, really, really struggled with this. Um, and so he helped me like, okay, you're athletic. You like your health. And I was like, I like my health. I'm athletic. And then, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. And so I really, I realized, or I, I recognized that that was a weakness of mine. Um, and it was definitely something that I needed to address. And so I started journaling and writing those I am statements like I am. And sometimes they're just facts. I am a daughter. <laughs> I am a runner. And so kind of drawing that, um, I guess, being able to recall on the positive things, just because the mind can get kind of stuck to all the negative aspects of our life. And that's just kind of part of how we're wired. We want to avoid danger. And, and especially if you grew up in a situation kind of like me, where things were not stable and you worried about where the next meal came from, you worried about things like if you were going to live in a house the next month or have electricity, um, that's probably even a little bit more so a fact, uh, or I guess, uh, aspect of your personalities that you might be a little bit more drawn to looking out for danger. And so, um, anyways, I think it's just really important to highlight the positives within your life, within your training, because it's so easy to let those negative thoughts just gain momentum and let that ball rolling. And before you know it, you're just saying things to yourself just off the cuff, like, oh, I'm so fat or, oh, I'm, I'm slow or, oh, and it just rolls right off the tongue more than the positive statements do. And so I feel like that's been very pivotal between the run, let me see, the the Boston Marathon, where, by the way, I bombed that shit so bad for multiple reasons, but one of them was mental. 
Um, one of them was that I was eating like shit, but that was also related to the mental aspect of me kind of getting to this town and not really feeling it and just being like, whatever, I'm just going to have fun and eat whatever the fuck I want and self-sabotaging, uh, my race ultimately. Um, but yeah, that was the difference between that horrible Boston experience and the experience that I had at Houston where I stayed so mentally engaged. Yeah, I told my husband, it was like I was focusing on a laser dot on the ground and just with intensity, like someone was telling me, like, if you look off that laser dot, your whole family is going to die. <laughs> and so I was just so in it to win it and staying positive. And I really think what led to that was all the practice work that I did outside of the running, the journaling recognizing the positives so that on race day, it wasn't something that I had to pull out of my ass. It was second nature. I was like, yes, I'm powerful. I'm strong. I can keep pushing. So yeah. Well, it's wonderful learning experience. Um, we can't hit the highest highs and we can't hit the race out of the park like you did in Houston without having an experience like Boston. Um, and you know, everybody, Every person that's ever run, every person that's ever tried to be really competitive or at the top of the sport or their age group, or even if it is just um, qualifying for um, a BQ, which is a huge deal. Um, we, every person at some point has felt imposter syndrome in their work life, um, in some component of their personal life, at an event, at a social event, a fundraiser. They looked around and said, I don't belong here. I'm not supposed to be here. Um, I don't know if I really should be doing this. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I look like the other elite women that are in the corral or the elite men or, you know, when I started my podcast, you know, listening to Rich Roll, who's my all-time favorite and the guy who I would just listen to his voice and it would calm me and yeah. amazing conversations he would have. I was just like, you know, you, it's easy to say, well, I could never be Rich Roll. Of course I can't. Okay, that, everyone knows that, but you know what? I don't have to be ritual. I can be me, um, and I can have people like you on my show, and we can talk about the thing that excites me more at sixty-two than it probably should, but it just does. So you know, lean into the things that get you excited, lean into the things that get you out of bed in the morning, and you know, for me. I'm never going to have as many downloads as a Joe Rogan or a ritual, but that is an easy way to look at yourself and say, oh, I'm a failure. I'm not doing as well as all of these people. My show isn't ranked as high as you. That's all bullshit. It's easy to pull yourself down. Anyone can pull you down, um, but it's much harder to pull yourself up. Um, and so when you learn from your Boston experience is, yeah, we can, we can blow our own race up. We absolutely can between not getting enough sleep, eating like crap, um, being, you know, severely dehydrated, coming into a race, maybe having a shitty race plan and not listening to everybody when they tell you don't go out too hard in Boston <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, you still run like a 25 minute positive split. Um, you know, like there are ways we can do it. And sometimes that's what we're supposed to do. That's on our journey. That's Jeremy's yeah. journey that day was not to have a good Boston. Even though you worked yeah. your ass off to qualify, there was learnings in there, man. And you applied them and you already learned from that in Houston. And there's going to be more, um, man, you, you're just always going to find out something new. If you're open 
And, you know, the fact that you're journaling, you're going to therapy, all this stuff, it's only going to help you understand yourself better and try to apply it not only to your running, but to your life, you know, to all, all aspects of your life. Absolutely. And I feel like it's easy to just get tied up in what you think something should be or could have been, but really the only thing that's certain is now (laughs) this moment. And so it's not always clear in that moment why this thing is happening to you or why life threw you that Tetris piece. But I like to think that maybe, you know, in the future, it will become maybe a little bit more relevant why you had to take that path in that moment. No question. And one Ryan Hall, man, run the mile you're in. Love it. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's not just run the mile you're in because it's it, for every day. It's, it's truly life. It's like, Hey, I'm having a shitty run. You can be having the shittiest run ever. I mean, I'm not talking about a race, just a regular run, a training run. And God knows how many times I've been out there and it's like a monsoon out and the wind's blowing sideways. And at some point I'll just laugh at how stupid it is and be like, you know what, dude, <laughs> what other fucking 62 year old dude would be out here running in this freaking weather, man. You know <laughs> yeah. what? Fucking good on you, man. You know what? I'm glad there isn't another human in sight. I'm glad I'm getting blown sideways and I'm glad I had <laughs> enough, you know, will to push myself to go out the door and run in these stupid ass conditions because, you know, maybe some 20 or 30 year old look at this crazy ass dude and be like, Hey man, this, this dude's still getting after it, man. He still, you know, like brings the fire. And in your case, like we, every one of those experiences has taught you something and, you know, you're going to continue to apply, you know, more and more of the lessons to your running. And, uh, that's, that's the, that's the lesson, man. That's the takeaway. Yeah. So, darkest hole you've ever dug out of and how, um, I don't care. It doesn't have to be running related. Um, it can be life related, running related, whatever. And just, you know, tell us a little about how and, um, how you made it through to the other side. Yeah. So I did share a little bit about, you know, the situation that I went through with losing my job. And then also during this time, my husband's father died of COVID. And I have known my husband since I was 13. So I knew his dad was basically like my dad. And so this was a huge loss um, to us both. And it was just the time. I mean, there's never a good time, but the timing was just like, wow, the job and then him. And uh, it was just not good. Um, But actually, I'm going to change my answer because I feel like the darkest hole was the hole that I was in before I found running. <laughs> and I was super lonely, super depressed, just not in a good space, you know? And I, it's not that I found running and then my life was like, ta-da, you know, now I'm on top of the hill and things are great. But I will say that, you know, um, I have been so transformed by running and the running community that this is kind of part of why I run streak, not only because I love it and I love that running is non-negotiable for me, but I also never want to return back to the person that I was prior to running. I never want to be the person that relied on alcohol to have fun or I don't know, just didn't have anything that I felt passionate about waking up to, you know, now I wake up, I have my goal every morning and maybe that will change. Maybe someday. I mean, I told my husband, like, you don't know what's going to happen. Some, someone could come. We were at a restaurant a couple of weeks ago and someone plowed their vehicle through the spot that we normally sit in. 
And so like, I can lose my legs tomorrow, which is a bit dramatic, but if I did, (laughs) I mean, uh, maybe I'll find something else like gardening or knitting or something, but to be passionate about, but anyways, um, you know, that hole that I was in before finding running, uh, was very dark and that I know that when I go on podcasts and I explain, oh, I'm lonely. Okay. You kind of get the idea. Maybe like she didn't have anyone to hang out with, but no, it was like serious depression, like crying very often. It was not good. Um, and ever since I found running, I mean, I feel like I always have someone to hang out with. (laughs) I always have someone to run with. I have something to do. And so just gives me something to look forward to. And um, I think that that really brought me out of that hole. Yeah. Well, it's definitely transformed you. Um, you know, you can just feel you have such positive energy, give off a great vibe and, um, you know, you're sharing your experiences, which is wonderful. Um, so just keep, uh, keep doing that. It's great. And somebody else out there hopefully will listen to our show and, and realize that they weren't connecting at a college because it was too big for them and they felt like they weren't really present or connecting with others. And um, maybe they were feeling not the same as you, but similar. And, you know, they'll hear your story and be like, Hey man, let me try this running thing. Let me, let me see what this is all about. You know, let me, let me check it out. That's been the reason for me sharing. Um, You know, I've been through other experiences in my life where, you know, you go on Google, you start looking up, has anyone been through this? And (laughs) Sometimes I'm disappointed in the lack of stories. And so when I did start sharing my journey on Instagram, it was just for that. There could be one person out there that has a similar background or maybe somewhat aligned. Maybe it's only 70% like me. But if I can, through my experiences, help them navigate their own way to finding something that lights them up and gets them up every day. I mean, my job is done. So, (laughs) yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. And then that's what it's all about. Um, sharing and uh, people, you know, kind of building these networks and uh, helping each other, yeah. you know, um, continue to grow and flourish. So um, community service, um, something I like to highlight to get people thinking about giving back. Um, what's something that's uh, near and dear to your heart, something you've either done in the past or want to do more of in the future? Well, um, I've done a lot of volunteer work with dogs. Um, I didn't list this. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't list this, uh, but I did do a little bit of work at the um, animal shelter, but that was kind of um, depressing. So I only lasted there like maybe two months. And, And I did the morning shift, like getting the dogs up, moving them to the other side of the kennel, scraping all the poo out and then cleaning it, moving them over and then walking them. And it was a whole morning, like from five to, you know, 10, 11 in the morning. And, uh, but that was exhausting. And so, um, I did also search and rescue human remain detection work with canines. And that was very, I don't want to say fulfilling cause it's, it's a dark, um, it's a dark world, but it can also, um, be very rewarding when you can help someone, you know, have those answers as to, you know, where their loved one is. A lot of the times we're just searching. And so I was 
part of a team that focused in the woods. There's urban teams, there's teams that focus on the woods. And this was an effort that was actually um, kind of organized by the government after 9-11. Every state has to have so many search and rescue volunteer teams. And so I was part of that. And a lot of the searching that we did, going back to that, was for people and children who had autism who would just like walk out of the house and older folks who get lost in the woods. So a lot of it was not deceased people, but sometimes it is. And um, we were called out to an event. Unfortunately, we're that, you know, during my time in volunteering that we did um, discover, but I, my dog did not. Um, But, you know, that was very fulfilling. And so those are kind of my two areas of volunteer work that I did. And, um, yeah. So I have one for you. Um, your background growing up, you know, in poverty and, you know, just tough hand to mouth, you know, tough circumstances, tough situations. Um, I think it'd be great. And I don't know if that opportunity might exist around Orlando and any of the neighboring areas, because Orlando is obviously a very nice area, but maybe some areas that are maybe more inner city where running doesn't really have a grassroots following, let's say, um, mm-hmm. if there was a way that you can get involved and speak to kids that are from, you know, socioeconomically challenged backgrounds where money is really tight, maybe they don't have shoes or access to shoes. Um, with my platform and my reach, I'm sure I could reach out to Running Warehouse or one of my sponsors and get some shoes sent. Um, if you could put something together, you know, go talk to a school, start a running club at a school, at a community um, for the kids who don't have the money, for the kids who don't have that privilege or that background, I think you'd be a natural at it. And I think you would get so much out of it. So just think about it. I think it'd be really good. I've always thought about doing something like that, but I don't know where to start. And so that's kind of been my, my main blocker is like, okay, how do I kind of break into this world where I can have a school say, yeah, uh, we want to bring her in and talk to her. <laughs> you'll you'll um, take your notebook out, man. You're journaling anyway. Just start it loosely. Put yeah. some ideas <laughs> down. Um, and then you. I'm sure you know the schools that are more affluent versus the ones that aren't in an mm-hmm. area. Or maybe it's even with a church group or something. Yeah. Um, there, there's always a way. Um, yeah. And if the idea is good, you know, believe me, this is not a day and age where you couldn't get sponsors or people to send shoes or some equipment to kids. They want to be a part of something like that. They want to be part of a story like that. Um, So I I think it'd be really cool for you to um, think about something like that. Yeah. So um, I have to say, it's been super fun chatting with you and getting to learn so much more about you. Um, Your story's like crazy, super inspiring and your running's awesome. But also I love, just love your whole your whole approach to how you're training, how you're going about it and sharing it and all that. And I always like to give the guests like one last shot. If they have a uh, special message, they want to just leave the run chats audience with uh, as we're, as we're rolling out here. Yeah. uh, Just going back to something that you touched on, which is fine. You know, that's strength, find something that you really like tap into it and work it because I think a lot of people believe that, you know, their calling will fall in their lap, but it's 
really not going to fall on your lap. It's when you find something that you enjoy doing and you keep doing it over and over and over again, that's when the purpose starts to develop. And so, yeah, if there's anything, any message that I want to leave people with, it's that. Love it. What a great place to land it. Well, Jeremy, it's been so fun chatting with you and getting to know you. Um, and I'm sure it's this conversation is going to inspire lots of people. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing your story. And we tell everybody at the end of every episode to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. Talk about inspiring. Man, Jeremy's journey is filled with inspo. And she is just getting started. So talk about a fun follow, somebody who's just really going to get the juices flowing. Um, definitely get onto her page and follow what she's up to from her strength training and her workouts and just her overall approach um, to just getting it done, man. Every day, showing up, doing the work. Um, that no shortcut, not looking for the hacks approach. That's why we're both big fans of Goggins. And uh, it's just such a pleasure and a, a treat and a blessing for me to host these conversations, man. I, I get a chance to really get inside the minds of people that are out there doing the work, grinding, and just getting it done. And uh, I know it makes such, a, such an impact for me just being a part of these conversations and listening. So I sure hope that everybody out there that gets a chance to hear an episode like this and listen to Jeremy's story, you know, just please take a moment, share it with a friend. Um, there's got to be somebody out there that's in a struggle or maybe in a tough place in life that hear, might hear her words, hear her energy for life, and now she's going after her goals and tackling uh, her big dreams and uh, just trying to tackle things and take them on. Man, it's, uh, it's just super inspiring stuff. So, um, for everyone out there that takes that extra step and shares an episode somewhere, anywhere, Strava, Facebook, Instagram, it doesn't matter. That brings a new listener to the show and gets somebody listening uh, to to something inspiring and hopefully moves the needle with them enough to uh, get back out there and start exercising and being fit and living a healthier lifestyle. And, um, you know, all the gold bonus stars, we've got a whole bunch of recent uh, – uh, Apple podcast reviews, which just uh, mean the world to me and really, really help. Uh, they move us up in the rankings, but most importantly, it helps me when I approach somebody like Jeremy and ask her to come on the show and and share uh, share their journey. So, um, so thank you so much um, to everyone taking that extra moment there to pop on there and write a review for the show. So, I hope you're all crushing it um, and building um, towards some goal that's meaningful for you. And I just can't wait to um, start the marathon uh, majors journey this year with Tokyo, 17 days away. I'm going to try to run all six again this year and be the first to do that. So I hope to meet a ton of uh, Run Chats listeners on this journey, uh, starting in Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York. And uh, if you're out there, man, hit me up. Let's meet up for a shakeout and uh, let's get together and, uh, and grab a selfie. But uh, anyway, keep lacing them up, my friends. Keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends.